Welcome to Ramble City. Hello and welcome, my fellow ramblers. Welcome, come on in. Lay down your spurs and pull up for another episode of Ramble City. Very excited to share with you who the guest is for today. But before we get to that, let me bring you up to speed on what's been happening this week. What a crazy week it has been. After I spoke to you last, I stayed in Tamworth for uh, for a few more days working on an ultra-secret project that we can't talk about yet. I spent a lot of the week talking, as you can hear. My voice is, uh, is definitely got a bit more of a, a joyful crackle in it than normal. And since then, I have been back in Brisbane playing some shows around town, doing my Piano Man thing, and getting ready to release some new music uh, next month. Some new music will be coming to you next month. I can't tell you too much about it right now, but I will say I'm going to reveal another piece of this puzzle on next week's episode. So with that, let's get into today's guest. You don't mix whiskey. Maybe it's you, maybe it's me, or maybe it's the whiskey we drunk till a quarter to three. Today's episode features Blake Dantia as he celebrates his debut album, Dry Season. Inspired by his great song, You Don't Mix Whiskey, which is playing below right now, I challenged us to talk through our top five Australian drinking songs. Yes, folks, in this episode, Blake and I count down our top five drinking songs. There are a couple rules attached with this, which I talk about in the episode. Um, What you need to know about Blake is he's blurring the lines between contemporary, alternative, and traditional country. His last four self-penned singles have earned the top 50 spot in the Australian country airplay charts. He's won two Tamworth Singer-Songwriter Awards uh, with his fiancée, Cass Hopeton. And we talk a bit about his new record and of course to hear any of the songs from this episode or or Blake's music you can visit our show notes for that may I say before we get into this episode really important that everybody drinks responsibly that you know your limits you don't drive home if you've been drinking and you just take care of yourselves we have a lot of fun with this it is of course fun to have a drink with friends or you know to, to drink full stop I guess but I just wanted to make sure before we get into this that we've said that really clearly please drink responsibly and uh, make sure that you don't drink and listen to Ramble City. All right, enough of that. Let's get into this episode with Blake Dantia. Welcome to Ramble City. Blake Dantia is here. We're about to talk about his new record. Uh, Blake, thanks for being on Ramble City. Welcome to the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. So, um, listening to the record again this morning, and can I just say, I really, really enjoy it. I'm not going to blow too much about what I want to say later, but there's one song in particular that I was like, oh man, when I first heard it, I was like, God, I wish I wrote this song. And that's always the nicest thing a songwriter can say. You know, it's like, damn, that's a good one. I wish that was mine. But I wanted to sort of say, this feels like like a, a great album to drink to. This feels to me like it's the ultimate 
drinking album. Um, it feels like something that should be playing when you go into Honky Tonks in Nashville and it should just be there on the jukebox and uh, everyone is just, you know, chinking glasses and sort of smiling at each other. W- was this planned? How did you come to be the king of drinking songs? It, uh, it certainly wasn't planned, right. but <laughs> there was a point where I – I kind of said to myself, I have to stop writing so many drinking songs. Cause <laughs> I've got too many. I got to, I got to consciously ease off no more. You know, But as a songwriter, was it like, you know, we're going to talk about your story in a sec, but was it just something that was fascinating to you about writing that type of song? I mean, they're great songs like party drinking songs. They, they're some of my favorite songs, you know, that's why I'm so excited to talk about it today. But was it a fascination that you had or did you just found, find that you just, you just kind of knew how to write a good drinking song. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a uh, most mix of color B and color B. Yeah, I maybe didn't the, think yeah. about it too much. It just they just came out that way. Okay, so tell us. So, I mean, I was thinking about as a songwriter. You, I like sort of asking everybody's kind of story, and I read here from the stuff that was sent through that you you started your first band when you were thirteen with your older brother. And you guys were playing kind of not country music. You were playing something totally different. Mm. We uh, we were big ACDC fans. So, I mean, that was kind of what got us into music in the first place. Um, And into drinking songs. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, ACDC didn't have into drinking songs. And we certainly were only drinking Red Cordial at that time. Of course. (laughs) Of course you were. But um, yeah, we would just jam for for hours in uh, in my bedroom. Like I got a drum kit for my twelfth birthday. But don't know why my parents were willing to get me that sort of gift, seeing as uh, it probably tormented them for many hours. But <laughs> we had a lot of fun. And, uh, and will you stop playing or time? Do something else. Mama, I don't know how to do anything else. Here we go. One, two, three, four. Is that how it went? We we probably sucked too. Like we're probably worse than that. Which damn, it's it's hard to listen to that kind of stuff. So when did you find country music then? So when was it? When was it for you that you kind of found your love of that? If you didn't even start in that world, you must have started you know, in ACDC, glam rock, you know, British heavy metal. When did you, when did you find your love of country? Well, I think my brother, he went further down that path of metal and I right. uh, got to the point where I was like, yeah, you've gone too far, man. Like I'm not, <laughs> yeah, that's not right. into this yeah. stuff anymore. But, yeah. um, He's coming home in like full face makeup, you know, <laughs> with the, with the kiss tongue. He's like, Hey, how was school? <laughs> You're like, this may be a step too far for where I'm wanting yeah. to go with my music. Um, <laughs> And that's when you veered away from him. You said you're on your own. Yeah. Um, you got <laughs> that stuff for you, man, but I'm going to figure <laughs> out what else is out there. And uh, yeah, I just started listening to stuff that was on the radio. Um, like, I, you know, obviously still being young, I didn't drive, so I didn't listen to a lot of radio, but, you know, I yeah. did hear it every now and then. And um, my dad was a DJ in, in the 80s, so he had, like, quite a CD collection. So mm. I kind of just started working my way through that because it's like I don't know any of this stuff. So yeah. let's see what he's got. And um, eventually, what were some of the albums? Well, there was Faith Hill, was one of them. Uh, Faith Hill's album Cry and Shania Twain's album Come On Over, which is great album, the big one, yeah. 
And when I heard those, I was like, And so did you only write songs for strong female protagonists for a number of years? (laughs) I think that's what I still do. I I don't know how I managed to get some songs out for myself, really. Well, you made them drinking songs, I guess. So then you, one of the things that I really got from this record and why I wanted to talk to you too is that, you know, it feels like there is a sense of, um, and I'm going to pick my words carefully here because I don't want to sort of uh, seem like I'm trying to be too hoity-toity, but there's a certain like uh, authenticity to the sound that it feels like you were going for in terms of like, it feels like you're opening the door and the guys are just playing. And to me, that kind of had that kind of magic of kind of, it was... Um, it was just kind of real and you were trying to make a certain type of country that may not kind of be everywhere nowadays. Is that yeah. a fair thing to say? hundred percent. Like, um, well, it, going back to that Faith Hill, Shania Twain stuff, it's at that time anyway, for Faith Hill and Shania Twain, they were pretty pop. And I feel like ever since that time in country music, late nineties to now, it's been just going further and further towards pop music. Yeah. And, um, like I like that music. Obviously, that's what got me into country music in the first place. Yeah. But when I started listening to more and more country music, I found the older stuff, um, and I really started to resonate with the more old school sound that was, you know, a little rougher around the edges. Had more yeah. pedal steel guitar and fiddle solos and stuff. And I yeah, just whoa, thought, whoa, we need, well, yeah, we need more of this. Like, there's not enough of that country music today. So how do you go about then putting together the collection of songs that you were going to put on a record? And were you co-writing? Is were you co-writing with? Because we're going to talk about one of your co-writes later. That's on our list that we've got for the next the next block. But were you already co-writing with people, and that was kind of what you did, or were you working towards these songs, or did they both kind of run along the same train track? Yeah, I was I was going Lone Wolf style into this right? album. Yeah, not because I don't like other people, although. It is difficult sometimes for me to give up control. In a, fair, in a that's car, fair. Yeah, but um, I just didn't really know that many people, and so as a result, there's only one co-writer on the album. Yeah. But um, I just, I think I've had so much time because this is the debut album. Yeah, you know, I, probably the songs date back maybe five years now. So yeah, it's just been so long that I've sort of been compiling them. There was no real thought process to it. There was mm. just let's just write songs. And then at the end, it was sort of like there was 30 songs and I whittled it down to 11 that I thought were actually good. <laughs> and thought, all right, these ones will go on, you know. Yeah, it's no making records, uh, the magic, together. yeah. It's like, yeah, I've got, I got 30 songs and 10 of them are worth listening to, 11 in your case. And it's like, there you go, here they are. Yeah. The, the album's out. <laughs> One more question before we go to the break. When did you decide that um, when, I'd, I think it'd be so interesting as a songs that, you know, some of the tracks on the album, Last Call, which is obviously, you know, you're in a bar and someone's like, Last Drinks, Wish You Were My Beer, which is a great name for a song. Um, <laughs> you Don't Mix Whiskey, which is the song that I wish I'd wrote. I think that's just a <laughs> cracker of a song, man. And like, you know, when, at what point when you were putting these songs together or when you were collating them over, your, as you said, over a number of years, did you go there's a lot of drinking songs here. And when did you lean into it? Or was it just kind of a, mist- mist- a happy mistake that kind of gave it a cohesion and it made it feel like a record? Because it feels like a record. You know what I mean? It's a record. Yeah. yeah. I think happy mistake is probably the way to put it. Yeah, right. I didn't realize until we were recording all the songs and we were kind of looking back at it and I was like, oh, like half these songs are about drinking. 
it was actually to the point where um, last call, I was like, I was listening to um, CMT one day, the country music channel, and um, a Brad Paisley song came on. And it, the melody in his song, I was like, wait a second. That's exactly like the song I've put on the album. <laughs> I realized, and I knew this song, so I was like, uh oh, <laughs> I ripped this song off. So I, I had to rewrite this song. Uh, we'd already like tracked it all. It, you know, it was just this one particular part in the chorus. So I just had to change the melody there. Yeah. But then when I was looking back, I was like, well, Last Call is like one of a million drinking songs on the album. And it's also, at the time, it was a drinking song, more like Wish You Were My Beer, where it's a sad drinking song, you know, drinking to try and get over somebody. Yeah, that's right. And I was like, well, they're kind of exactly the same song. Uh, <laughs> maybe this is actually a good opportunity for me to rewrite Last Call as a, with a different spin on it. I think with the title Last Call, there's no way it wasn't going to be a drinking song. No, but it's such a great opener to, to what feels like part of the experience of the record. You know, it's kind of like step into this world of like step into this honky tonk in Nashville. You know, to me, it felt like such a the door opener, and and it sort of welcomes you into the world. I th- it's awesome. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Oh. All right, let's let's take a quick break and let's come back, and uh, we're going to go through uh, a list of. Um, well, you have to keep listening. We'll tell you in a sec. We'll be right back. Blake Dandier is here, and we're about to talk through our top five Australian drinking songs. He's inspired them with this new album, and uh, there's a couple of caveats we have, all right? The first one is that we can't put in our own songs that we've released ourselves. So even though I wanted to put You Don't Mix Whiskey on it, we can't because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it feels like it feels too Fair obvious. Enough. I've got a song on my debut album that's coming out, which is One More for the Road, which James Morrison, jazz trumpeter, plays on. It's a pure drinking song. It's just like, let's drink in this pub and, you know, it's like a Calypso-y kind of thing. That's not on the list. I can't put that on the list. I'm not allowed. I'm legally not allowed to put that on this list. (laughs) The second caveat, well, I mean, co-writes are fine. You're allowed to do co-writes. I think that's fair. You know what I mean? So that's why we've got right. one here that we'll talk about, it, which is coming up. The second caveat is they have to be about drinking. They have to be about someone talking about drinking or holding something that's to do with drinking. It can't just be a song that you know is kind of about drinking, if you know what I mean. Like it can't just be a party song. They have to reference some amount of alcohol. Now, we should say at this point, please drink responsibly and please be sensible. And if you're putting on these songs, make sure it's Blake's. That's it. That's all we're going to say. All right. So, <laughs> so let's go to number one. Like when I asked you to do this, what did you think? I sent it to you really late, like like this morning before we, we chatted. <laughs> Don't give away what songs are there, but what did you think when I wanted to talk about drinking songs? What, what kind of came to your mind? Well, uh, the thing that caught me first actually was that you asked for Australian drinking songs and I was like... Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I was thinking about all these I don't American think there is songs, any. But I, knew, yeah. <laughs> I was just, when I started looking into it, I was like, actually, oh, I don't know any off the top of my head. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like, I don't know why I wanted to do Australian drinking songs. I think it's because there are so many great drinking songs that I felt like we had to give it some kind of umbrella. Otherwise, we would have been here all day. Like, I think that was partly mm. why I did it. And I mean, we're Aussies. I mean, you know, maybe that's why. All right, so let's go to number one. I'm going to play it first, and then you can uh, you can tell us what this is. Let's have a listen. Let's see if everyone recognizes this song. 
Oh yeah. Trademark build. Just one of those headbanger moments, man. It's just like whenever these guys play and the track is on, doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter who you're with, you're just like, I am a bad MF. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like a bad man listening to this song. So tell us who this is and why you picked it. (laughs) It's ACDC, you know, which any ACDC fan should have been able to pick that up because uh, I think they've sounded like that. This was from Back in Black in 1980, and I think they still sound like that now. So (laughs) They know how to write, to to make songs in their lane, right? It's like it feels just like them. It was their seventh studio album. Um, one of the interesting facts I saw about this is that, so what do you think the story of the song is about? Because I, I didn't know this one too well, I've got to be honest. This is one of the ones that I had to listen to. I know, oh. obviously, ACDC. But I know, I know, I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed, but this is a safe space. I'm admitting to everyone now that I'm a bad Australian. That's okay. I'm okay with that. But what? why did you pick this? Like, what was it about this song makes um. you think this? Yeah, no shame for not knowing, man, because I, I don't know what they're talking about either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Let me let me ask you this. What do you think they're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely talking about drinking. Okay, good. That. One point. <laughs> if, well, uh, let, me t- let me tell you this. This is, I look, I research, right? I do my work. And uh, I found out, so Back in Black, obviously from 1980s, you said, was the first album to come out after, um, uh, of course, after Bon Scott bon died Scott, and, yeah. and they brought in Brian Johnson, right? So they've they've swapped lead singers and Bon Scott uh, is well-documented and renowned for um, enjoying a few quiet beverages and party nights. And uh, this song, well, I believe, is about a guy trying to buy his buddy a drink. And so it's kind of... And it's on the first album that comes out after after he's passed. So it's an interesting kind of song to appear on this record, given given of just what's kind of happened, isn't it? It's and of mm. course, there's, it's not like ACDC is going to put out like a song that's like acoustic guitars and it's like Stairway to Heaven <laughs> and it's you know it's like and she's buying our stairway. It's like it's it's not going to happen. So yeah. they had to kind of put it in their style. But I wonder if in a way this is kind of. Um, an ode to 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 him. I don't know. It's it's an interesting choice. I I can't recall if I'm actually correct about this, but I think they had already written a bunch of these before he actually passed away. So it was wow. sort of like they were ready to go with this album, but then obviously when your lead singer dies, it kind of puts you do have two choices, don't you? In the works. <laughs> it does. It does complicate things slightly. <laughs> Um, well, yeah. And what a great legacy, obviously, Bon Scott has for the band. And, you know, obviously we're all fans of ACDC, so, you know, all respect to that. But, um, what a great choice. That's definitely for me too. I think that has to be there in the top five. Let us know if you agree or disagree. Maybe you think that this should not be in the list. Let us know. Um, but before that, let's get to number two. This was one of my picks. Um, you have to make sure you really listen to this song properly because it does seem a little rude if you don't know what they're talking about. So here we go. This is uh, this is mental as anything. The nips are getting bigger. Get out. 
So this came out in 1979, um, and this is the lead singer who wrote it now. So the thing about this one for me and why I sort of love it is I don't remember when or how I discovered this song and it's one of those songs that a lot of people don't know and people that know Mental as Anything and know their work like are sort of like, how can you not know this song? How can you not know this song? Um, you know, it wasn't a huge hit. I mean, it was it got, it was like number 16, um, came out the year before the last song uh, mm-hmm. and was their debut single. And uh, did you know this song at all? Did you know it at all? I didn't know this song. Um, I knew of this song because yeah. when me and my brother were in a band, we did a lot of classic rock covers, and my uncle was always like, "You got to do this, you got to do that." <laughs> this so was he one was of he was requesting you to play the nips are getting bigger. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? This is one of those songs, um, and it kind of fits the criteria because it's about a night on the town. So the lead singer Martin Plaza, who wrote the song, it seems the story of the song is that he's trying to forget some letter he's been given so he's like later there's a a lyric where he's like believe me when i tell you it's nothing to do with the letter but he's just continually drinking more he starts with beer he goes to rum and he's questioning how the chemicals are messing with his brain and it's just like whoa the nips are getting bigger he's getting more drunk and all that sort of stuff it's kind of you know he even quotes wiping out brain cells by the millions but i don't care it doesn't worry me even though i ain't got a lot to spare that's a pretty great lyric, right? <laughs> sounds like he's uh, in a tough spot. <laughs> he, he sounds it's it's definitely not about the letter. It's definitely <laughs> not about the letter. Okay. Um, all right. Let's go to number three. This is one of yours. Nobody wants to do shots anymore. Tell us all about this one, Blake. Yeah, well, this uh, the singer of this song, Cass Hopton, is uh-huh. uh, actually my fiance. Oh, uh, uh, here we go. <laughs> Caveat number three. <laughs> yeah, no, I've great. Got a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. Great song. <laughs> so, how did you come to uh, meet and co-write this song? No, I'm kidding. Um, so, so how did you guys come up with the song then? Who came up with the idea and who sort of brought it to the other one? Um, it was Cass's idea because um, I think we just had this night where um, you know we're hanging out with friends and then. Cass is like, you know, wants to get rowdy, do some shots. Everyone's like, oh, no, no, we're too old for shots now. <laughs> so so the song is about, um, here's, here's kind of the, the final kind of, you know, chorus or whatever before it sort of picks up the very end of the song. The lyrics are, nobody wants to do shots anymore. Pass out in the bathroom floor. Since we quit those drinking games, tequila don't taste the same. It's it's awesome. I, I can see, I'm so glad that this came from a real moment in your life where you were kind of there just lining up shots and pouring them out and then the rest of the 
group is like, what is happening? We're, we're, we're too old for shots. We don't do shots anymore. Yeah, and all of these moments are real. I've passed out on the bathroom floor. <laughs> <laughs> we can't say enough, please drink responsibly. Please drink oh, responsibly. Completely unrelated to alcohol. I just bathroom. You just passed out on the bathroom floor. Yep. That's a good place for us to take a quick break. We're going to come back and do the last two. We'll be right back. All right, so number two on this list, uh, this is the only one, Blake, that maybe shouldn't be here. Okay, I'm going to be honest because I don't know if they completely they completely drink. Um, it just felt like this band had to be on this list. Now, I'm not sure how much of this song I can play legally, whether I'm allowed to get to the hook here, but of course, this is cheap wine and a three-day book. Oh, I mean, cheap wine and a three-day growth. Um, probably the most misunderstood lyric in Australian music history. Um, you knew this one? Yeah. Um, interesting that you say it's most misunderstood because I would like to know what I would like to know what you know about what he's actually singing about. Well, okay, so let's let's sort of unpack this real quick. Um, it's they started they recorded it in one or two takes with no demo, and you can really hear that when you listen back. Like it feels live. You can feel the drummer just kind of like just sort of hanging in. You know, it's like, yep, cool. There it is. There's the fill. Here it is. You can feel it kind of evolving as they're sort of playing, which which I really love about it. And I think that's part of why maybe some of the nonsensicalness, if I can say that, or kind of that it doesn't completely make sense, mm. feels so good because it's so live and it's so kind of encapsulated in this one moment of time. So to answer your question, what do I think it's about? Uh, if my answer is any sort of example, I don't know. Um, I'm, 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 I'm feeling, I, I think what it is about is about, um, growing up, uh, part of me really thought it was about music and having a career in music and kind of the life that you choose in those, in the mm. early days of you're kind of living a certain lifestyle. Um, you're kind of living week to week. You don't know where you're going. You're kind of, some of your friends are questionable. Some of them are just, you know, it's, you don't have a nine to five kind of life and you leaving kind of a normal thing behind for cheap wine and not having to work a normal job. You know, you, you can let your face grow out and you can have a beard in these times because you don't have to go to the bank tomorrow to kind of check in at 9am. That's kind of just what I'm thinking so far. I mean, he's sitting on a beach, drinking rocket fuels, spent the night breaking all the rules, mending every minute of the day before, watching the ocean, watching the floor, watching the shore, sorry, watching the sunrise and thinking there could never be more. Uh, anytime you want to find me, I don't have a telephone. I'm another world away, but I always feel at home with my cheap wine and a three-day growth. Maybe it's just about being like a, a, a beach bum. Yeah, it kind of struck because I was struggling to figure out is the cheap wine and the three day growth a positive or a negative thing? Well, that's a really <laughs> interesting question, Blake. How did you take it? Well, I thought it was supposed to be a, a positive thing. You know, he's like, yeah, I got cheap, you know, wine. cheap wine and a three day growth. Life's great. But like being a beach bum. 
Well, I mean, he, he, it's definitely celebrating it, isn't it? He's not, I mean, once he smoked a denim and cigar, once I drove a foreign car, baby, that was years ago. And those are kind of like, I mean, if we really kind of, we really dig into like lyrical analysis here, they are kind of like three, two things that are really kind of big shot kind of things, right? It's like I had a great cigar and I drove a foreign car, like big time. So why would you leave that behind? Well, baby, that was years ago. Yeah, I had a friend. I heard she died on a needle. She was crucified. Well, you know, but that was years ago. I left it all behind. So maybe this guy's running. Maybe I mean, that's they're... a good thing to leave behind. Yeah. You don't get caught up in, in that. <laughs> but I don't mind like, taking charity. Yeah, I don't mind taking charity from those that I despise. Baby, I don't need your love. I don't need your love. Yeah, it kind of feels like more and more it's like someone that stepped away from a life and is is happy living in this cocoon of cheap mm. wine and three-day growth and whatever that represents for them. I think he knows it's uh, it's not the best life he could be living, but yeah. it is the right life for him. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think we've nailed that. And, <laughs> and, and, and I think we're going to get a call from uh, someone's people, <laughs> people very quickly to tell us how right and on the money we are. Um, great. Okay, awesome. Big tick. Well, there we go. It should be here. That kind of encapsulates a drinking song. Um, let's go to the very last one to take us home. This had to be on it. This was on both of our lists, and it's just kind of probably the quintessential Australian drinking song, the quintessential Australian artist that sings about you know drinking songs i love to have a beer with duncan i love to have a beer with duncan we drink in moderation hey and we never ever ever get If there was ever a song that kind of like you ask yourself, like you sort of, there must be a turn coming. There must be something coming that kind of changes what this song is because it can't just be what this is. <laughs> and this is it. It's like, it's a spot, but that's what makes it so incredible. It's, it's like, it's not trying to be more than what it is. And it makes total sense to all of us because we all have a Duncan that we want to have a drink with. This is of course, Slim Dusty's Duncan. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's, um, I, well, the reason I also put this song on the list yeah. um, is because my pop used to play this song and he, uh, like, this is when I would have been, like, very young, you know, yeah. probably, like, five and then <laughs> ranging to, like, ten. Yeah. When we would go down and visit Nan and Pop, you know, he'd get his guitar out and play some songs. And this is the only one that I remember him playing from that time, but wow. he would just put our names in instead. You know, so I'd love to have a drink with Blake or my brother Cam, you know, whatever, yeah. and find rhymes to go with that. And it's like part of the cool thing about the song was it just became new every time because you put a new name in it. So, like, then you get to do a, a never, ever, ever get, you get to think of a new rhyme for that one. It's just sort of like it doesn't matter that the song never actually goes anywhere else. Yeah, I know. It's like, great that you you, on the, the record, 
Yeah, what a great story. Like on the record, I, I when I was just doing some research, there was an A and a B side. There was two different versions. And I, I don't know what the other yeah. version is, but I but they were both the exact same time. So it was like two minutes thirty-six side A, side B version two, two minutes and thirty-six. So it was kind of like and it they're not the exact times. You could look at it on Wikipedia, but um I'd be interested to kind of, if anyone's got a copy of that, to see what the two differences were, whether they were just different names and he just kept going. And eventually the engineer's <laughs> like, mate, you run out of studio time. And he's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I got a couple names left in me. I'd love to have a beer with Felicity. I'd love to have a beer with Flick. You know, it's like, it just never ends. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun. One quick thing I found out about this song. I don't have a personal memory for this one. Um, uh, I, I love that story you just told. But this one that I found... It's written by Pat Alexander in 1976, and apparently he was selling life insurance and spent some time talking and drinking with a prospective comp- uh, customer, uh, the owner of uh, a club uh, of the Town and Country Hotel in New South Wales. Owner was Duncan Urquhart, I think it is, and he failed to make a sale but realized he was just merely enjoying having a beer with this guy, and that, was, that became the song Duncan. And this was the only song that this Pat Alexander, the, the life insurance salesman, ever had. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, it's a, you just never know with songs because it's such a simple song, but it's just so lovable. It's so lovable. And it goes to show that, I mean, people love drinking songs. And Blake, I reckon you're onto something with the record, with the songs. Uh, you Don't Mix Whiskey, as I said, is a song that I can't wait to, to grab out the guitar and play when I'm having some whiskeys with some friends. Well done. Congratulations on the record. All the best success with it. Thanks for being here and uh, can't wait to catch up again soon. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been so good. That's it for another week, folks. That's all. Welcome to the end of episode 26 of Ramble City with Blake Dantier as he talks about his debut record, Dry Season. To hear any of the songs we talk about in this episode, visit the show notes. And this episode was brought to you by OFM. It was produced, created, and hosted by me, Bradley McCaw. It was engineered by Kana Stats, edited by the great Caleb Aspett. Original video design was by Adam Shaw at Axis Productions. And sound design was by Matt Erskine at Crosspoint Solutions. Thank you so much for listening. Keep smiling, stay safe, and I'll see you next week. This has been Ramble City, a podcast of conversations with interesting people musing on art, life and their careers created and produced by old-fashioned media to hear more and discover additional material from today's episode visit ofm.com